When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From Variety, celebrating more than 115 years covering the business of entertainment, this is the Award Circuit Podcast. It's always a little difficult when you die in a movie to come back, you know, to any sequels. But uh, yeah, I thought I was finished with that when they initially said, would you like to reprise this role? I thought, really, how does that happen? I was kind of stupid about it, you know? And they walked me through and it sounded cool. Spoiler alert, but unless you've been living under a rock or perhaps have been trapped inside a spiderweb, you know that Willem Dafoe made a return to the Spider-Man universe this year as the Green Goblin in Spider-Man No Way Home. I'm Janelle Riley. On this episode of the Variety Awards Circuit Podcast, we talk to Willem Dafoe about hosting Saturday Night Live this weekend, as well as keeping his Spider-Man secrets in the supremely busy year he's having. It's all next on this edition of the Variety Awards Circuit Podcast. Stay close. Though he's been an acclaimed actor for five decades, earned four Oscar nominations, and starred in several blockbusters, Willem Dafoe will take on a new challenge this weekend when the actor hosts Saturday Night Live for the first time January 29th. The announcement was met with massive enthusiasm online, with many people expressing disbelief Dafoe had never hosted before. Given Defoe's output in the last year alone, the timing could not be better. He appeared in no less than five films. That includes reteaming with directors Paul Schrader for The Card Counter and Wes Anderson for The French Dispatch, a supporting role in Zack Snyder's Justice League, and Defoe can also currently be seen on screens in Nightmare Alley, playing the veteran of a traveling carnival who mentors Bradley Cooper's newcomer Stanford Carlyle on the life. Step right up and behold one of the unexplained mysteries of the universe. Is he man or beast? This creature has been examined by the foremost scientists and pronounced unequivocally a man. I am prepared to offer you folks one last chance to witness this supreme oddity. Where did it come from? Begotten by the same lust and threat that got us all walking on this earth, but gone wrong somehow in maternal wombs. Not fit for living. Is it a beast? Or is it a man? <laughs> You're in luck because tonight you will see him feed. Come on in and find out. Is he man or beast? And then there's the performance Defoe can finally talk about, reprising his role as Norman Osborn, a.k.a. Green Goblin, in Spider-Man No Way Home, a character he hasn't played since a cameo appearance in 2007's Spider-Man 3. I recently spoke with Defoe about SNL, Spider-Man, and working with Guillermo del Toro on Nightmare Alley, among other things. I began by telling Defoe how excited I am that he's hosting Saturday Night Live. I am too, actually. I just had, uh, I just had a little Zoom with uh, telling uh, 
the producer telling me what I can expect for the week preparing for it, and it's I'm very excited. What it sounds like uh, it sounds like uh, it'll be fun. Have they already come to you with sketch ideas or anything like that, or is this just? Oh, uh, that comes next. They, she just basically walked me through what um, how it works, you know, and when you meet with people. But yeah, that happens. That happens all in a week. It's pretty cool because they um, they work fast and they work on their feet, and then they do a lot of editing on their feet, and it's it's going to be fun. Yeah. Did you have any idea how badly people wanted this? Because once it was announced, like the internet just exploded. I don't know. I'm living under a rock. I mean, that's nice if it's true, and I hope it's true, and I hope it's a good show. That's all I care about. Yeah, really. I, people went crazy, and and to me, the odd thing is that you haven't done it before because it seems so logical. You know, I think you know. I think uh, there was never the right combination of things. Um, yeah. Because it, it's nice to pair it to a uh, to a movie or something that's come out. And yes, I've had some successful movies in my career, but they aren't always the um, ones that you can hang a Saturday Night Live uh, appearance on. Yeah, I'm really hoping for a card counter sketch. Uh, or, I think that would go over imagine here. Imagine an Antichrist one. Actually, yes. Can we please get an Antichrist sketch? Can you pitch that in the room? I think I'll, I think I'll let sleeping dogs lie on that one. <laughs> so they've never asked you before. You know, I, I don't think they have. I don't. I don't think they have. But they, you know, it's just never the right time of things coming together. And mm -hmm. who cares? As long you know, with yeah, I'm just thinking about what's next. You know, what's happening now, right now. Is it a call? Does someone reach out to you and say, "Hey, are you interested in this"? Yeah, basically. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's done through my representatives, and I don't know whether it gets pitched or what. Uh, someone else would tell you that. All I know is it comes in and says they would like you to host Saturday Night Live. We think it's cool. What do you think? And I say, absolutely. Really? No hesitation? <laughs> no, not really. Not really. I mean, I've never thought about it so much specifically, but... Just how it works, I've, I've heard from people that have hosted and people talking about it that it's a week where you just create material and, and uh, you know, some of it's live, now some of it's um, uh, uh, pre-filmed. And uh, it's just a, a good combination of getting with a bunch of people and trying to uh, make some things. Mm -hmm. It's very immediate and very... Um, you know, they, they have resources, they've got a history, they've got good writers, they've got good performers, and it's like uh, you get thrown in with them and uh, you see what comes out. I mean... At least that's what I'm imagining. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're a theater guy at heart, so it actually yeah. makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, yes. I mean, when I used to, particularly uh, when I worked with the Wooster Group, sometimes we'd be working on things in the afternoon that we would try out at night because often often we performed works in progress that was our thing because we were making original work so i'm very used to even in rehearsals treating things as if they're performance there's no waiting around there's no waiting around for tomorrow it's a very uh immediate and hands-on approach and i like that so 
I think um, we'll see. I'll tell you afterwards, but it sounds like a, it would be surprisingly um, fun for me to do. It will be surprisingly fun for me to do. And I have to keep reminding people uh, that this is actually not your first uh, encounter with Saturday Night Live. You did the short film, The Procedure, for Adam McKay. It's true. It's true. Many years ago. I, was, I know I've asked you about this one. It was a little thing that kind of hung in space. You know, they called me up on like a Thursday and said, uh, can you be such and such a place, you know, on Saturday? We want to film this thing. And we just... I mean, he, he, it was very clear about what he wanted to do, um, the idea for the sketch, but uh, it was fun. It was very immediate, and uh, I liked that. Did you know Adam at all at that time, or he was just... No, they just needed some, you know. That's amazing. Well, I mean, do. now that he's a big Oscar winner, I, he should be putting you in his films. Not that you have time. Got his number? <laughs> <laughs> I actually, you know what, I'll, I'll, I'll shoot him an email today. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, if you did him that favor back then, I, I think it's... it's. Oh, it wasn't a favor. It was just fun to do. Yeah. It was it, a little thing, and uh, it was it was fun. But I actually, I don't know if you would have any time, because I was actually trying to count how many movies you were in this year, and I counted five. There mm -hmm. could be more, um, mm -hmm. starting with Justice League. Right. Uh, I don't know if you ever thought that would see the light of day. Um. You know, my, my involvement with that was quite minor, actually. Um, it was uh, kind of an appearance to get ready for, um, you know, Volko appearing in uh, Aquaman. Uh, so that was, that was, uh, that was quite a, a brief uh, work period for me. Um, you know, the funny thing is... COVID, it's, diff it's been difficult to make movies, but I've been very fortunate that there were some things in the pipeline that were either started or, or um, were in the, you know, got interrupted by COVID, but they all kind of came together. So I was very fortunate that after initial quarantine, I, I got to do a lot of work and uh, we were able to do it and uh, make these films. I mean, uh, uh, Nightmare Alley is a good example because half of the movie was shot and then it was shut down for a long time. Yeah, the, the pretty much the second, well, the second part uh, of the movie that deals more with the nightclub world than the um, carnival world was shot first. And then they had to close it down because it got too difficult with COVID. And then they returned uh, and uh, did the part that I was involved in, which was the carnival section. You and Guillermo del Toro seem like such a perfect match. Had you been looking to work together for a while? Um, you know, we talked about it a long time ago, uh, and uh, it didn't happen, but I visited his house, his uh, beautiful museum of curiosities. You went to Bleak House? Yeah. I, oh, it, I'm so jealous. It is, it's famous, huh? Yeah, yeah, but I've never been. Um, very beautiful. You know, he's a man with lots of interests, and he's very fast intellectually, and he's got very big appetite, and, you know, his love for movies. So when you go there, you always learn something. Um, so we talked about it. And then one thing that really kind of sealed it was he was very sweet when we were doing press for At Eternity's Gate, 
the uh, Julian Schnabel uh, film that uh, dealt with Van Gogh. Um, he supported the movie by helping us do some Q&As. And he sp spoke so beautiful about the movie. He spoke more beautifully about the movie than Julian or I did. And I was really sucked into his way of thinking. I had always loved his movies. I remember seeing Devil's Backbone and just really thinking, I got to work with this guy. Um, so there was a story there, and but then it was just a matter of him calling, uh, calling up and saying, listen, I'm, I'm going to do this movie. At one point, he even said, I'm not sure what character you'll play, but I, I, I would love you to work with me on this. So That's, that's so all. interesting, because I could see you playing the role David Strathairn ended up playing, or even Richard Jenkins' role. Right. Yeah. I actually love, I go way back with Nightmare Alley. I think I might be the only person who saw this terrible musical that they tried oh, to make no. of Nightmare Alley. <laughs> Are you kidding me? It was at the Geffen. Not, not yeah. musical uh, material. Well, in, in fairness, they tried to do it with like a cast of six. So like a lot of people were doubling roles and. Yes, yes. Yeah. Okay. And it just, it's, and the actors were great, but it just, it just didn't quite work. Were you familiar with the, the book or the previous film? I, I knew the previous film. I hadn't seen it in a long time. Um, and, of course, I went back to it. Uh, it was clear that this was going to be a, you know, in some terms it's a remake, but, for example, my role barely exists in the movie. And um, there was a whole other story that uh, Guillermo developed that, that uh, really doesn't come directly from the, the original. He, 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 uh, he was very inspired by the language of the book. Uh, him and Kim uh, wrote it uh, just with a, a very different spin, very different spirit. I, I think it's clear that it, it comes out of a very different time politically and culturally. Because the original, al although there's many beautiful things in it, it really had a, uh, it really had kind of a heavy uh, anti-alcohol thing that kind of ran through the thing that sort of obscured, obscured some of the uh, moral dilemmas. That's right. I had forgotten it. it. It is like a bit of a PSA against drinking. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Fair enough. Fair enough. And obviously, you reunited with um, two directors you've worked with a lot. Uh, you did Paul Schrader's Card Counter and Wes Anderson's French Dispatch. And again, yep. is there a secret to getting invited back? I mean, I know that you just show up and do amazing work, but at the same time, if they ever made um, a movie without you, I'd be upset. Well, you know, those are two cases where, again, it, 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 they aren't uh, big roles. Paul, uh, Paul, I've worked with many times, I think seven times, seven, eight times. So he's always um, thinking, he, he's always knowing that I'll work with him. <laughs> and uh, he always gives me something interesting to do. And I like his company and I like uh, his films and I like how he thinks. Um, so when he calls, yes, I got to see if it makes sense, of course. It doesn't always make sense, but usually it does. And with Wes... I enjoy working with him, and he calls in a lot of people to work on his stuff because he can't resist um, 
dreaming things up for them to do and dreaming them uh, up seeing them in different ways so um those things are easy it's uh, just a question of uh, being able to uh you know schedule and see what's going on but always you always you always have to feel like there is something for you to contribute even in smaller roles and there there was in both those cases have you ever asked paul why he likes to torture you so much in movies uh, why, why, why do people like to torture me, period? Um, <laughs> well, no, listen, forget me. Forget me. I'm just, I'm, you know, I'm just an instrument of his, right? Uh, why does he torture himself? And uh, without getting into trouble, I think Calvinism has something to do with it. <laughs> but so is it always like, do they tell you early on, like, I'm working on something and you know, it's a given that you're going to be involved or did you just get a script one day? No, because it, it depends. It's, it's, uh, it really depends. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a case by case thing. I don't notice any pattern. I mean, for example, like someone that, you know, someone like Rob Eggers, who I worked with again on the Northman. I mean, as soon as, when we were doing press and finishing with Lighthouse, we both kind of said, we got to do this again. Mm-hmm. And Northman wasn't, um, isn't as an expansive role. It's a very big, very, uh, I think it's going to be a great movie. Um, but you do continue those relationships when uh, you've enjoyed it in the past and you, you always work with kind of an idea of what, what, what are you working on? Is this something that... Uh, makes sense for us to do together. There's that kind of conversation with some people, but other people just, they know um, what you do, what you like to do, what you like to work with. And uh, when they have, uh, you know, when you have good experience, you you come back and um, you've got a shorthand, you've got a trust, you've, uh, it's, it's, it's a pleasure to work with people more than once. You can go, you can go deeper. What can you tell us about the North Man, if anything? Because the, the trailer I can't is tell stunning. You anything. Nothing. Yeah, the, nothing. The trailer is stunning. No, I just, I'm just uh, uh, Rob Eggers and, and also Jaron Blaschke is uh, DP and all the creative team he works with. They're just, it's, uh, it's a very concentrated and very uh, gifted group of people, and uh, they're just great to work with. And I don't know if it's happened yet, but you were going to work with Yorgos Lanthimos? Yeah, I've done it. I've done it. And that was fantastic. This is another match made in heaven. I love love his movies, and he is wonderful. He is wonderful to work with. You know, he's he's done theater. He's acted himself. He does this beautiful uh, rehearsal period that doesn't necessarily work so much to define the scenes, but really to make a company, make a group of people, make a world. And he does it so um, intelligently and so playfully. Uh, he's, he's very special. After the break, more from Willem Dafoe. From Los Angeles, this is the Award Circuit Podcast. And we're back. It's the Variety Awards Circuit Podcast. I'm Janelle Riley. 
We're chatting with Willem Dafoe, whose busy year includes working with directors Paul Schrader, Wes Anderson, Zack Snyder, and Guillermo del Toro. As we pick up, I ask him if there are any directors that he hasn't worked with yet, but wants to. Whenever I see a good movie, I, I think, oh, um, I wonder what it's like to work with them. I wonder what they're doing. Uh, it would be fun to be in a room with them. Uh, it's, it's the most natural thing in the world. Yeah, there's many. There's many. And, you know, some have been around for a while. Some are first-timers. But, yeah, it's a fluid thing. You, you need different things at different times. And, uh, but it it's really boils down to when you see something that really touches you or moves you or you think, wow, how did they do that? Or, wow, that, that's really a unique vision. Or I, they make me think in a different way. Or this has transformed me. All those things. When you feel those things... I want to be in the room with those people. I want to have that experience. I want to learn something. I want to mix it up with uh, smart and creative people. I have a really crazy question, but do you remember the last time you had to audition? Or you were asked to audition? Um, you know, I would probably say, I'm trying to think if there's an exception. Because, I, I, you know, there have been some roles that have been competitive, but... There's enough film on you that they they usually don't ask you to audition. Um, you know, it's it's a different kind of courting. Um, I'll probably be Spider-Man, the first Spider-Man. Really? Yeah, yeah. I was making a film in um, in uh, Almeria, Spain, an English film called The Reckoning with Paul Bettany and, oh, yeah. and many many great um, English actors and they sent uh the casting director to my hotel room they sent me uh you know some scenes like the day before i learned them and she filmed me uh in my hotel room and brought brought back the tape to sam raimi and he wow. made his decision wow that's so cool and that brings us perfectly full circle to spider-man which you can now talk about hey, yes <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that segue. That was perfect. I'm allowed. <laughs> when did you first, you know, get wind that they might want you to reprise this role? And and I, I maybe I'm wrong, but I have to think you thought that was, you know, far in the rearview mirror. You probably didn't think you'd ever be Norman Osborne again. That's true. I did. I mean, because because I kind of dribbled out because I the first film was such a fun experience and was quite successful. And then in the second and third installments, I, I kind of became, uh, I, I did kind of fade. Uh, it's always a little difficult when you die in a movie to come back, you know, to any sequels. Um, but uh, yeah, I thought I was finished with that. When they initially said, would you like to reprise this role? I thought, really, how, how does that happen? I was kind of stupid about it, you know, and they walked me through and it sounded cool. So you know, I I told them what I was interested in. They said what they were interested in, and our, our ideas pretty much matched up. Now, keep in mind, at that stage, you don't necessarily have a script because they're working on it. Mm -hmm. And they're also working on the participation of these other characters that they're bringing back. So it was a real leap of faith. But I knew Amy, and I liked John a lot when I met him. And... Uh, yeah, there were there was enough 
attractive things. I was interested in getting in that suit and doing the action sequences. And it was a continuation. So it was fun. And uh, I'm, I'm very happy that it's been so successful. Because sometimes when you see big movies, you, you know, you can imagine. I'm, I'm used to working on all kinds of movies. And sometimes I get a little jealous and I, uh, they seem so over you know they they have su- such so such resources that i get jealous and if the people aren't sincere and if they aren't believers it feels like such a waste and feels so cynical but i can say and maybe i dr- drink the uh, i drank the Kool-Aid but you know these are people that really are are believing in what they're doing and giving uh themselves to it in a very full way so i'm not just talking about you know, really good actors. I'm talking about the effects people, the, the the camera department. They're all very top level. And then when you have the resources and uh, you know possibility of making a popular film, that's all pretty attractive. So, how long ago do you think that they first, you know, initially broached the idea? Like, had had the other Tom Holland Spider Mans come out yet? Because uh, you had to keep a secret for a long time, and that always impresses me. Oh yeah, but that was that was a fun little game, and I thought, <laughs> you know, it was a good idea. And initially, I thought this is not going to be possible, simply because uh, you know Spider-Man has such a big fan base that those people, uh, the fans, really want to know what's going on when the film's in production, and they get very noisy and they this chatter on, you know, on the internet and all that. So I thought, not so much for me, but just generally they wanted to know what's going on. So I thought, ah, this isn't going to work to hide my participation. But actually, uh, it worked out very well. They didn't really leak me until right before the movie opened. And they were very skillful and kind of teasing without telling in your own life, did you have to lie to anyone that you felt bad about, or could, could you be honest? No, no, I'm a, I'm a bad liar. Um, I am an actor, but I am a bad liar. So, uh, but no, that wasn't necessary. I, often I go off and people don't ask where I'm going. <laughs> they just know they'll find out later. Yeah. <laughs> in, fact, in fact, my wife, she's a filmmaker, and she she's very funny because while she knows the inside of things, when I do a movie that doesn't involve her, she wants to know nothing. I knew that Spider-Man would be so much fun. I was surprised by how much it moved me. And I was really impressed with um, Norman's story in particular. I did, I did not see that coming that he would, you know, we would really see him struggling you know, with his mental health, with, you know, really trying to fight against this other persona. You mentioned you had ideas when they came to you. Was that, was that one of them? That's really a continuation. I mean, remember that one of the beautiful things about the original is it was a double role. And it's, it almost goes without saying that, uh, you know, Sam Raimi gave me Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde to read before uh, I, I did the movie. It's a split personality. It's a guy that's conflicted. It's that classic thing of, you know, a devil on this shoulder and an angel on that shoulder. And, of course, that that all comes together, particularly in the mirror scene in the original where they're, the two sides are actually talking to each other. So this was really 
a continuation of that without leaning on that. And because of it fit nicely in because of the confusion of the multi multiverse, the guy arrives, he doesn't know how he got there. So it's credible and doesn't feel contrived that the guy is changed. Not only has he been um, rescued from a death, sort of, uh, but he doesn't know who he is or what he's doing there. He just has pieces of information. So that, that was a very interesting place to start. But then, of course, he has these other goblin issues to deal with. So that, that was a nice uh, struggle. I mean, the scene with him and May, when you first see him in the, in the homeless shelter, is heartbreaking. Like, <laughs> I, I was kind of surprised they went there. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, I thought that was a that was a good start. That was yeah. a very good start. And was it just so much fun to get to hang with the other villains? You know, I I did, but I didn't have that much stuff. You know, a lot of my stuff was with um Tom Holland and and because there's a lot of action stuff in it, uh you're doing a lot of action stuff. So I didn't have so many scenes with the other villains, but it was fun. Um yeah. They're all fun, and they're all very different. I mean, uh, mostly I dealt with uh, Jamie and Fred. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a high-spirited uh, set. And people are happy to be there. And, of course, we, we're doing some strange things, you know, being flown and wearing these crazy suits and all kinds of things. So it's, um, it's a pretty uh, good atmosphere. Yeah. I mean, um, have have there been discussions or, you know, would you be open to another return if such a thing were to come your way? Um, you know, uh, hypothetical, Janelle, hypothetical. <laughs> no, I, you know, I'm, I'm happy for its success. I'm, you know, on to do other things and looking forward to uh, some films that are going to be released um, among them. Uh, well, there's, there's actually, COVID was, a, <laughs> I mean, that, that period of the last two years has been very uh, fruitful. And uh, there's some good things, there's some interesting things coming out, including work on a Western with someone that I worked with over 40 years ago. Is it Walter Hill? Walter Hill, yeah. No way, you're doing a Western with him? Yeah, we did it. And, and it's Christoph Waltz and uh, Rachel Brosnahan and, and many other actors. Oh my and, God. Uh, yeah, that's one of the things that's coming up. That sounds amazing. By well, the way... It was, it was beautiful to work with Walter again. Because um, I enjoyed it so much so long ago. And uh, he's, uh, he's still really got it. That's Willem Dafoe. Watch him this Saturday on NBC as he hosts Saturday Night Live, or catch him currently in Nightmare Alley and Spider-Man No Way Home, both in theaters. That's it for this edition of Variety's Award Circuit Podcast. The Award Circuit Podcast is edited by Drew Griffith, and Michael Schneider is the producer. Be sure to subscribe to the Award Circuit Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you download podcasts. Also, head over to Variety.com and click on the Award Circuit tab to find the latest Oscar predictions and key races, as well as your daily fix of news, analysis, and reviews. Until next time, for Clayton Davis, Jazz Tankay, and Michael Schneider, I'm Janelle Riley. We'll see you on the circuit.